The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Here are your hosts, Abby Wiggum and Trish Spate. Welcome to the Tall City Elections podcast. I'm Abby. I'm Trish. And we will be hosting the show today. This program is dedicated to providing information about the upcoming local elections for our community as we make it accessible to our listeners who are visually impaired. The Tall City Elections 2019 podcast is a collaboration between the Recording Library of West Texas and the League of Women's Voters. We want to thank all of our supporters for helping us make this possible. Joining us in the studio today is Jenny Cudd, running for mayor. Hi, Jenny. Hi. How are you? Excellent. Good. We're so glad you're here with us. Thank you for having me. So why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about who you are and where you come from, what's your background? Yes, ma'am. So I was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas, and I was actually homeschooled my whole life. So that kind of gave me the flexibility as a child to get more involved in the community and in politics. So my mother actually told me the other day, and I don't remember this, that when I was eight years old, I worked in a phone bank calling people to get President George H.W. reelected which didn't work. But either way, they let me work in the phone bank because I could read the script and and call people. So I've been I've always been around politics. And then I moved to Midland 12 years ago. And here in town, I own Becky's Flowers, which is over at Midland Drive and Neely. Mm -hmm. And then I also started a software company that's for the floral industry called CYA Flowers. That's awesome. And how long have you owned Becky's Floral, what, what's it called? I've had Becky's Flowers for five. almost five years. Five years. Okay. okay. Awesome. Is this the first time you've run for a political office? Though? Yes, like, ma'am, it is. run for like class president or anything like that? <laughs> no, because I was homeschooled, oh, so, right. I, so I automatically <laughs> won. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything. She ran the show. <laughs> you were class president. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> so I was reading on your website. Yes, ma'am. Um, this is what it says. It says, should we be putting millions of dollars into one park renovation? Instead, let's be better stewards of taxpayers' dollars. Yes. So first, what is your opinion about spending millions of dollars on a park renovation? And then after that, if you could answer, if you were to spend taxpayers' dollars differently, where would you start? What would that look like? Absolutely. So I think uh, one of the main differences between myself and the current mayor is our, our priorities. So, for example, earlier this year, Dennis the Menace Park was reopened, and I went to the ribbon cutting, and it's a historical park that many people in Midland grew up at, and they had remodeled it and updated the playground equipment and everything, and Mayor Morales said that the $2.3 million that was spent on Dennis the Menace Park was the best use of taxpayer dollars, and I don't believe in putting parks over police. So currently, we are almost 50 police officers short for our population and almost 40 firefighters short. And so if elected, I would certainly make that a priority because we do have to have it's it's a struggle because we do have to have nice parks. We have to have places for families to go and different outside events and things like that. But right now, I think it comes down to a public safety issue. So that's that's one of the many ways that I have different priorities than the current administration. I'll interject and ask. So I'll just dovetail onto that because that's one of our questions Mm -hmm. was how would you 
how would you go about filling those vacancies? What would be the plan for filling those? Just throwing more money, offering higher salaries? I mean, is there a specific idea that you have? So there's there's many things regarding the police and fire vacancies. One of them is going to be in retaining the ones that we already have. And yes, I do think that they should be paid a lot more in the new fiscal budget that just started on October 1st of this year. They did get a raise to where starting police officers are now making $60,000 a year. And for me, I think a big part of the problem is the cost of living Mm -hmm. around here. Because if you make $60,000 a year, you can go to Lubbock and still buy a house for $150,000 and have phenomenal education and phenomenal health care and tons of stuff to do. So my number one priority as mayor would be to work on affordable housing. And people call it all different types of things, affordable housing, entry-level housing, workforce housing, or just modestly priced, something that is cheaper than our average cost of a home right now is $360,000, and our average one-bedroom apartment rental is $1,600 a month. So we've got to put more houses online for our first responders, our teachers, our healthcare professionals, and just regular everyday workers, you know, people that work in restaurants or in flower shops or convenience stores or whatever. It's, it's very difficult to live here because our cost of living is so inflated. And that would just look like building more houses and apartment structures that are specifically made for people working in these industries? Or is that like lowering, just lowering the price for ones that are already existing? We need to build a lot more. We're currently, depending on who you talk to, we're currently between 5,000 and 15,000 doors short. Okay. Not to mention our anticipated growth, which would be at least another 15,000 doors. So we need way more properties for sure, whether it's single family homes, duplexes, quads, or multifamily apartment complexes. And there's several different angles we could take with that, that the city of Midland has not looked at yet. And one of them would be to start a land bank, which is a way to free up Some of the properties, especially on the south side, that are empty lots that have never been developed on, and maybe they have dirty titles or they've been behind on taxes or whatever like that. So a land bank can help clear that up without costing the taxpayers any more money. And and then, two, I think the city just needs to get in the habit of saying yes instead of saying no all the time. I've spoken with several developers the Permian Basin Builders Association, and people that have been building homes out here for 25 and 40 years. And all of them have told me that the city is so difficult and there's so much red tape and nonsense (laughs) that they're looking at moving and starting to develop in Granbury or in California or somewhere else. And that's not how it should be because we've had a housing crisis here for I've been here 12 years, and I know at least for 12 years we've been talking about affordable housing, and I think it's time to finally do something different about it. Why is it, and you might not know the answer to this, but why is it that it is so difficult to develop here? Um, because we have a crisis, a housing crisis. Like, so that, Do you think it's like the Planning and Zoning Committee needs to take a different tact? Because I know like my neighborhood, when 
they were putting it in, the developer has to put in the streets. The city doesn't, you know, and then the city comes back in and finishes the street. But it's up to the developer. And that's that was one of the reasons the developer had told me that the lot was going to cost that we were going to build on was going to cost more was because, well, hey, I have to put in this street and it's expensive to build mm-hmm. a street, a new, especially brand new ground up. And then the city would come in and do the utilities, but the developer had to pay for the initial street. Yes, it's true. And the developers a lot of times have to pay for the water lines and sewer lines, the streets, the sidewalks, the curbs, everything. And then they have to give that back to the city. And that's kind of just how it's always been done. So recently in city council, a few months ago, the city decided to institute impact fees so that the new developments are actually helping to pay for the impact that they're going to have on our water and sewer system and our roads and everything. And pretty much everybody has agreed with impact fees, and this is something that a lot of the major cities do. The problem is, if we put an impact fee on a single-family house or a duplex or a quad, then that fee winds up getting passed on, marked up and passed on to the home buyer, which in turn makes that property even more expensive than it has to be. So at city council, those those two different sessions that we were talking about impact fees, several of the main developers in town, the Permian Basin Board of Realtors and the Permian Basin Builders Association all spoke and asked for a concession on single family homes. Because that impact fee might be upwards of $6,000. And the city's response, the mayor and city council's response was, I think we've given you enough concessions. So it's it's double speak, in my opinion. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth. Because we keep saying that we need affordable housing. And the city keeps asking the developers to develop for a cheaper cost. But then there's no concession in there as to what's the city doing to to yeah, help so out. Like a like so, what is something you support? Be like, okay, so if this if you if the valuation of this home is going to be less than two hundred thousand dollars, maybe cut a regulation for the impact fee. Maybe the impact fee is half, maybe or just not. They don't have to pay it if it's a if it's a if or, it's more of know, an affordable house. Yeah. I think there shouldn't be an impact fee on any single-family homes. Oh, even those big ones out there? Even the big ones, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> and two, in regards to your question about why is it so difficult with the city, you know, the city is hurting for employees just like everybody else in town. You know, people are always hiring here. And so we don't have enough people for inspections or permitting or plan review or code enforcement. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see it everywhere slow, you go slow in town. Process. Yeah, everybody it, complains about that process being so slow. It is a slow process. And, you know, there's something, there's some some little things that we could change. Like we could ask planning and zoning to meet once a week for a set amount of time instead of every other week to kind of push some things through faster. We could also contract out to surrounding cities or even engineers in our own town to have the plan reviews and the inspections and permitting process go by faster. And I'm not sure why it is that we haven't done that yet. Yeah. Do they, I always think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Are there other cities that have experienced growth that you've maybe seen where they, like, we could just copy what they did? 
that something there has to be. Yeah, there has, there to, has to be. We're not the first ones to have this yeah. crazy yeah. amount of growth yeah. or or this high cost of living either. Mm-hmm. Well, let's transition a little bit. One one issue that concerns me in the city is traffic. That's something that tests my character on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what measures would you take to improve the road conditions and the traffic problems around the city? I think a big part of our traffic problems is our lack of police officers. You know, any any time of day, people are going 90 down the loop. And like I said earlier, we're currently 50 police officers short. And at the same time, on the weekends, sometimes there are only six police officers on patrol. And we have 150, 160,000 people. So earlier this year, the police were parking decoy cars. I remember, I remember seeing those. And it wound up being a big joke on social media. And I mean, quite frankly, our police department, I believe, is fantastic and they're doing the Mm -hmm. very best they can, but they are so short staffed that there just aren't enough people to go out and enforce, you know, to write speeding tickets or seatbelt tickets or anything like that. I mean, two years ago, they, the city, um, created a new ordinance for to ban texting and driving because distracted driving is yeah, was it, one yeah. of the main problems here. And for a few months, I think people were more aware mm-hmm. of not texting and driving or being on their phones or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But we just don't have the manpower to enforce it. So as our city grows, we're going to have more traffic. You know, you can't get across town in 10 minutes like you used to be able to. Or you might have to sit at the light, you know, three times, especially during rush hour. But I do think that having more of a police presence on the streets, A, makes everybody feel safer. And it certainly makes you check your speed and check your driving. My daughter lives in Chicago. And um, when she calls me from her car, she's very, she always uses her speakerphone. And she calls me before she starts driving because she knows so many people who have been cited for that. So they're actually doing it. I don't know anybody in Midland who has received a citation for being on their phone while they're driving. And two, we have in in the Permian Basin, we have more fatality traffic accidents than they do in some of the largest cities in Texas. You know, we have tons of drunk driving and, and it all comes down to we just don't have a strong enough police presence in order to enforce the the codes and the ordinances and the laws and that we already have. We don't need to make any more right. if we can't enforce the ones that we have right now. Right. That makes sense. So one thing that we've been made aware of here at the recording library is how difficult it is for people with disabilities to get around the city. Just public transportation is, I mean, they're, they're low on workers and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's, it's hard for them. What would you propose if you were elected mayor? Like, how would you improve the trans- public transportation for people specifically with disabilities or people who don't have their own cars and stuff? Well, I know that everybody supposedly has to be ADA compliant. I know that we've got the Easy Rider bus system, but I also know that because they're so short-staffed that they had to cut back how many routes they drive. Mm-hmm which limits being able to take people where it is that they need to go. Mm -hmm. So once again, I'm going to go back to the same thing. If we can lower the cost of living, if we can have more affordable housing, 
things like that, then we'll be able to attract people that want to work for the city, whether it's in uh, law enforcement or in waste management or utility workers or bus drivers. You know, if we have a affordable way of living around here, then we should be able to over time. Of course, it's not going to happen overnight, but we didn't get in this situation overnight either. Over time, we'll be able to staff those positions and hopefully have more routes available in order to pick up people and take them where they need to go. Yeah. Let me put a bug in your ear about that, too, because this is something we hear a lot about. Yeah. I mean, we have listeners who want to work and can get hired, but then to get to the job, they've got to take, you know, four buses and they've got to start, you know, three hours before right. the work starts. A long time ago, this is what they've told me before Easy Rider. They could ask any police officer for a voucher for a taxi ride. Oh, wow. And they could use that to get mostly it was used more for like to get to the hospital or to see their doctor, things like that. But to be able to if I think if they have a job, they should be able to do something similar like that. So how would you feel about a public private partnership with taxi companies or Uber or somebody like that to help? people who are disabled be able to function in Midland? I am all for public-private partnerships all day, every day. I believe that the private sector will always do a better job than the public sector or especially the governmental sector. And and I think that applies to pretty much everything, whether it's housing or having some kind of system in place to where we can help people get to where they need to go. I would love for you to head that up, too. <laughs> yeah, Trish. No. Yeah, Trish. Come on. No. <laughs> no, I just, I, I, they, people ask me things because that's what they're dealing with. And then, yes. so, and even paratransit services, we know that's door-to-door service. You know, they'll, if you are completely visually impaired and cannot drive, they are to pick you up at your house, take you where you need to go and pick you up. But the wait times for that are just mm-hmm. incredible. So let's move on to the senior center. Since our, a lot of our listeners are seniors, where does senior services, including building a new senior center, where does that fall on your priority list? What do you think about it? What do you think about the senior center that we already have? Okay, so I spoke to a lady the other day, and her first name is actually Lady, which I thought was fantastic. And, awesome. and she goes to the senior center, and she started telling me that they don't have enough exits currently in the senior center, were there ever to be some kind of situation to where they needed to be able to leave. They don't have enough room, especially in the ceramics room, which is the most attended event at the senior center. And the building is very, very old. So I know that the current administration has started talking about it. But, you know, when it's election season, everybody starts talking about things Mm -hmm. versus maybe taking care of this problem six years ago when he was elected. And so they are looking at appropriating funds to build a new senior center. Now, I know we've got two right now, so I don't know if they're looking to build just one that everybody would have to go to or build one and remodel another or what. Mm -hmm. In order to actually answer your question, I will say that my top two priorities are affordable housing and public safety. So I've spoken with people in the community, people that are passionate about recycling or our litter problem here, 
people that are passionate about animals and all all the things that are wrong with our animal shelter and people that are passionate about seniors. And I've met with with several of them and just told them up front, yes, this is a problem. Yes, the city should address it. But I also want to be honest about the fact that my top two priorities are affordable housing because I believe it will have the greatest impact on the highest number of people and making sure that our community is safe. So that doesn't mean that we can't still address the other things. And also in reference to the public-private partnership, you know, I think I think there's a lot that we could do with some of the foundations, just private organizations, you know, to where we stand up and say, as a city, this is what we support. And that doesn't necessarily have to be with taxpayer dollars, but as mayor of of a large city like Midland, you know, you do have a voice and you do have a platform to say this is something we're not going to stand for and make that clear to everybody that's involved in the community. I can tell you what I'm not going to do is (laughs) I am do not consider myself to be a politician at all. And those of you that are in the studio with me have probably caught on to that by now. I believe that I'm a citizen. And so I'm not going to make a bunch of campaign promises Promises, and I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. And then when I get into office, do whatever it is that I want to do anyway. I do believe in representing all the people, which is part of the reason why I decided to run for mayor, Um, not just a certain segment of people. And several people have asked me, why is it that you didn't decide to run for city council first? Because it's kind of a stepping stone. A lot of people wind up being on council and then eventually running for mayor. And and honestly, when it comes down to it, a, a lot of that's just my personality. I wanted to run for mayor, and so I am. But two, I don't want to just represent my district, which is District 3. You know, I go to city council meetings, and I hear some of the councilmen say, when somebody proposes a project, oh, well, is this in my district? Because then that'll influence the way that they vote for something. And I don't think that that's right because it takes all of us to make up Midland. So everybody should be equally represented, not just a certain sector of the population. I get real fired up about that. I can tell. (laughs) That's good. That's a good thing. Well, I mean, and, and so just from the standpoint of senior citizens, we've got an affordable housing. We get calls all the time. Is there housing specifically, you know, made for people with disabilities? And there's not. So there's not. No. And I heard a new apartment proposal idea the other day at City Hall. And somebody asked about the ADA compliance and that the apartment unit would have been 24 apartments. And I believe the answer that that company gave was in order to be ADA compliant, only two units Mm -hmm. on the bottom floor had to be ADA compliant. Yeah. So there is a shortage. I mean, we have. There's a huge shortage. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned public safety being on your top priority list, and I know this is a sensitive subject, but I would like to hear your opinion when it comes to gun control and when it comes to background checks. Just where where do you stand on that? What are your thoughts and beliefs? Oh, I love direct questions. <laughs> uh, okay, so now would probably 
probably be a good time to let you know that I am a conservative Republican. All three of us that are running for mayor are registered Republicans. I believe that I'm the only conservative Republican. So I absolutely believe in Second Amendment rights. And I do not have a solution for what is going on in the country right now regarding um, gun violence and mass shootings and things like that. But I would never support anything that infringes on Second Amendment rights. Would that include background checks, like a more extensive one or some kind of city regulation? That I don't believe in more government. So I don't believe that the city needs to get involved in that. You know, there's been several things proposed, especially lately because of the mass shooting in Odessa. And I know when I go to buy a gun, they do a background check on me. So well, if you go to a store, but if you, if go, you to go to a store or you drive to Lubbock and you find some guy who'll sell it to you out the back of his house. Right. And there's no way to con- control that. Yeah. And I honestly believe that the bad guys will always do bad things. You know, and I think Chicago is a great example of that. A friend of mine is a former Vietnam veteran and he was a patrol officer for the Chicago PD for 30 years. And. In Chicago, you're not allowed to have a gun. Yeah. They go to Ohio and buy them. <laughs> yeah. And because the bad guys will always get guns. You know, it's the same thing. Okay. It's not the same thing. It's similar to drugs are illegal. And you can buy drugs all over town. You can buy drugs in every high school. Whatever, whatever drug it is that you want. So I don't think there's any way to, the bad guys will always, always do bad things. Well, yeah, thank you for your for your perspective and just answering that. And that's yeah. something that you'll always get yeah. with me is a straight answer. Yeah. yeah. Whether we agree or disagree. And, you know, something that's been interesting is uh, I've always had friends on all sides of every aisle. And the three mayoral candidates are going to be speaking at both the Midland County Republican Women's Luncheon and also at the Democratic Party. And... I'm friends with everybody. You know, we can be friends regardless of if we have a difference of opinion. And I think it's important for all of us to work together for the better of Midland. Absolutely. Because no elected official is ever going to, you're not going to agree with everything that they do. Absolutely. But I think it is important as an elected official to be transparent and to give people straight answers. Yeah. And you definitely did. And we appreciate it a lot. Thank you. It, the last question is, so you've kind of touched on the other candidates. What do you offer that they don't or what do you see as the biggest differences between you and the other two candidates? Absolutely. I think that all three of us and I've met with the other two candidates. I think that all three of us are care about the community and are wanting to improve it. We just have a difference in priorities and in policies. So I personally don't believe that you can ever tax your way into prosperity. I do believe that we are taxing out our senior citizens and our people that are living on fixed incomes. We're making it more difficult for them to be able to survive here. Also, as far as priority-wise, I don't put parks over police, ever. You know, I wouldn't put parks over affordable housing. You know, and I think that there's misappropriation is a strong word. But I think that the current administration has made some choices with taxpayer money that, for starters, taxpayers are not aware of. And secondly, don't really address our priorities. You know, there's 
the establishment in Midland has has been in charge for a long time. And we have had the exact same problems for at least 20 years. You know, I've been here for 12 years, so I've heard at least those. But everybody has told me that Midland's been behind for 20 years for 20 years. So in my opinion, if we don't start making different choices, if we don't start thinking outside of the box, if we don't start having different elected leadership that represents all the people and two, honestly, uh, doesn't have anybody pulling their strings or scratching their back, I'm just not itchy, so I don't have anybody scratching my back, then I think we'll start getting different results. Because if we keep doing the same thing we've always done, then 20 years from now, we'll be 20 years behind. And that has been shown in all of the different conversations and research and on and on that we have had done for years. Everybody in Midland knows what it is that we struggle with and what it is that we need to work on. And it seems to me that we keep forming more committees and more initiatives and more programs, bringing the same voices to the table and coming up with the same, oh, well, this is what we need to work on. This is the new priority. But we've been doing that for years and years and years. We don't need to commission another study. We don't need to spend $4 million worth of taxpayer money to have an outside consultant tell us what our priority should be. We need to start actually doing something. And that is what I plan on doing. And that's a big difference between me and the other two. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. We just, yeah, we appreciate your input and Thank you for coming in. It is it is an important. I mean, we do sort of think that we're representing a subsect of yes of Midland, but this will be available to everybody in the community to listen to. Right. So I appreciate that your willingness to come in. I can tell you if you would like more information, you can go to JennyForMayor.com or Jenny for Mayor if you're on Facebook. Um, there will also be several more articles that the three candidates will be writing for the newspaper. And early voting starts on October 21st, and then Election Day is on November 5th. Perfect. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Tall City Elections, a presentation of the League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas.